And welcome back here to the Domestic Supply Chain Summit. My name is Kevin Hill, here with a special guest, Spencer Tinney. He's the president and CEO of the Tinney Group, and we're going to talk about mergers and acquisitions, M&A activity, both uh, a recap of, of what we went through in 2022, plus a preview to 2023. So first off, let me uh, welcome you, Spencer, uh, on the on the at the summit today. Thank you, Kevin. It's good to be with you. Perfect. So we've had a very active season in 2022. It's, it's been pretty active. 2022 or 2021 was active. Uh, that's carried into 2022. Uh, what are some of the highlights and um, and trends that that you picked up on? Well, I think just for context, I mean, we were, we wrapped up 2021 with pretty much record everything: record activity, record volume, record valuation. And so, I think a, a good bit of that trend continued going into the first half of 2022. And then when we saw uh, you know some gyrations in the marketplace with interest rates and freight volatility, you, you see a little bit of uh, normalizing within some of those trends that we saw. But still, um, it, as far as context, historically, it's a it, tremendous amount of deal activity is still taking place. And I think that we're going to continue. It's going to be a lot of deals that, that they get done, uh, even in, in, in Q4 when it's all said and done. The dust will settle and we'll figure it all out. But it will still be a very, very big year for transaction activity and trucking logistics for sure. Yeah, that is one of the surprising how robust it's been since kind of that February, March uh, period where you saw the spot market go below, uh, kind, kind of drop off. It's down 30, 35 percent from from its highs and, you know, inflation, geopolitical risk. You have the stock market, which uh, spent most of the year in the tank, um, but it didn't really seem to slow down. M&A activity in, in trucking and, and transportation, which was, uh, you know, it, kind of odd. You know, you'd think there'd be a slowdown, but it just kept on churning out. Yeah, and, and obviously we're, 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 we're trying to make sense of that as that's happening. And I, and I think a lot of that just has to do with, you know, the, the issues that were fundamentally driving M&A pre all that activity were still there as far as a low margin business. We have the cost of all major expense line, line items continuing to increase. And so even as you have these, these kind of things that are inconvenient, get interest rates, uh, interest rates and, and access to capital, still doesn't change the fact that you still have to run a business and you still have to figure out how to deliver profits for your shareholders. And, and it's, it's almost like all of the challenges crystallized what were the options and what weren't. And many folks just said like, hey, acquisitions is the only option that we have to offset some of these rising expenses. And so I think that's, that's why you saw you know, new entrants into this space that have never even gotten into uh, growth through acquisition at all. And I think that some of that has to do with broader trends of kind of one generation phasing out, another one coming in that has a much larger appetite and, and propensity to for, for growth through uh, through acquisitions. But all in all, um, I mean, if you go back, I was talking to a, one of our clients a while back and he's like, you know, seven, eight, nine percent interest rates. Like I'm 70 years old when I got in this space. I mean, it was <laughs> twice that, and, and we were grateful for it. So, like, you know, I, I think context matters. And so, uh, you know, I think that the, the, the bigger picture is there's big challenges. And I think that a lot of folks are making big moves uh, to combat that. And that's probably the right thing. Yeah. And you, you brought up, uh, you know, uh, change of control in a lot of, in a lot of, trucking companies and you know a lot of these uh companies are, are family businesses 
it's uh, getting into the, um, the, the the boomer generation, the retirement, um, changing control over to different family members or uh, a cell. Is that a trend that, that's going to keep going 2023, 24, 25, creating uh, a lot more petitional targets than historically there's been in, in trucking. I mean, it's major. I mean, it's outside of trucking too. This is, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of the greatest transfer of wealth in the history of humankind. I mean, that's really what's happening right now. And uh, that's not hyperbole. So demographics alone are going to drive a lot of this activity. And I think that just the industry specific factors are going to compound that activity just based on the fact that in a low margin industry, um, you have to increase capabilities in whatever you can, and there's only so many pennies that you can squeeze out of a dollar. So that's why you see a lot of folks really uh, flexing their muscles uh, as it relates to this and, 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 and double downing as far as this needs to be a skill that you need to be good at to win the future uh, in logistics. And, and it sounds like, well, you know, the activity has been robust all through 2022. How are valuations been? I mean, let's, let's walk through valuations um, in 2021 and now a year later in 2022, maybe where you're seeing them uh, go, um, say, mid-year to the back half of 2023. Yeah, I, I think um, for asset-like companies, that uh, 21 ended with record high, a seven-year record high. I mean, it was continually going up in that period. So, so we anticipated there was going to be a natural normalization of that with or without all the stuff that we experienced in 22 um, on the asset base companies, uh, a, a little bit more, you know, uh, I wouldn't say volatility, but variation over that same period. Um, just because, you know, it's just a little bit different for asset base, CapEx, heavy type industries. Gonna, there's always going to be parameters in which investors can get deals done because of this ongoing capital um, expense investment that, that's required to, to run these companies. So I, I think for this year, um, it was interesting because we were still kind of coming off this this, this phenomenon of, of equipment value increases that were largely created out of COVID. So some of that we, we we got the benefit of for folks that were doing asset deals and that they were using these inflated uh, equipment values to increase their own borrowing capacity to help transfer more cash at closing to the seller, which was a beautiful thing, you know, to kind of capitalize it on that way to get the outcome that you wanted to get. And I think that where we're seeing a little bit of, you know, a pulling back on the reins is more on the asset-like type scenarios um, that really, you know, in all fairness, they're still strong, but it got a little bit nuts in, you know, 2021, I would say. And so um, a healthy normalization there, but but all in all, there's never been more excitement for investment or no, or more need for investment in this space. And so it, it's interesting as you see these transactions, even ones that we've been a part with as far as, you know, these vertically integrated type deals and all different characteristics, whether it be Ashley Furniture, you know, doing the Wilson Logistics Western Division, or even the Super T Transport, uh, which was acquired by Red Bull and their their private equity backed Austrian company, Burger Logistics. You, you're starting to see like, wow, we have these huge problems, but the solutions when it comes down to it, you start seeing the world in a, in a very small lens as far how interconnected everything really is. And so um, for, for, I, I think that that's what we're going to see a lot more of uh, moving in the future, more more activity, more creativity on how the deals actually get done and, and who the players are as part of them. 
Yeah, you, you mentioned a couple of players there, uh, you know, actually Furniture and Red Bull. Do you see more uh, shippers getting into the logistics business, whether that's asset light or, you know, uh, having the, the, the private fleet, uh, buying a commercial carrier? We also saw that with uh, USA Truck um, <coughs> and, and that acquisition as well. So uh, do you see that as a, as a trend that, that we'll see more of in 20, you know, of the next five years? I do. I mean, I mean, even just in Q3, we, we heard the announcement of um, MSC acquiring CNK Trucking. I think that that kind of fits that profile. I think that we're going to see more of things like that. Whatever. I think everything's on the table, Kevin. Whatever, whatever you know, advantages or options there are to increase capabilities. Um, and some of this is defensive. It's to protect. I don't think some of this is like to to gain more volume. I think it's more about like defensive. We have to protect what we have um, to, to potentially be competitive in, in the future. And I, so I think that has a lot to do with it. And when you start seeing a market from that lens, then you, you start understanding like, well, pretty much everybody's in the game. Yeah. Every, everyone seems to be in the, the game right now. Certainly. Um, I, it's, it's, it's crazy out there. I, let's start with asset light, asset light, you know, the acquires, they're looking for targets. What are some of the, um, the, the, the business models are looking for, are they looking for for niches or they're looking for customer lists? Are they looking for certain capabilities or technology? Or, I'm sure everything, but, but what's kind of on top of their mind right now? I think very specific niche, niche expertise is going to be a huge characteristic in 2023 as we move in this. And, 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 a, and a good kind of profile for this was the deal that we did with the Keenan Advantage Group and their first foray into, you know, brokerage space. And, you know, what do they want? They wanted a proven expert which was American Petrolog. And I think this is an excellent example of um, kind of predictive about what we're going to see from more folks that it's not enough just to, you know, hey, I want to have more capabilities. I'm going to buy a brokerage company. They need to provide something unique that's has some uh, insulation from the broader factors that could, you know, um, uh, elevate risk for the overall transaction. So I, I think that that's going to be a huge characteristic moving forward as far as on the asset light side. To check that box, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that. There's specific niches, whether it's, you know, the, you know oil or, or tanker or flatbed or project-based. Um, I, I think there's a lot of acquirers out there looking for that specialty knowledge. Cross-border being a, another one uh, where, where it's easier to buy than build, uh, certainly. And kind of the, the, the general general brokerages or, or general type of business entities out there. Um might might see a little bit of a hit on their valuation um, because they don't have that that focus and, and concentration. Well, I would characterize that a little bit differently, Kevin. I, I think that what um, I think what what is what usually happens is that you get a mirror kind of put up and you and you see like what you really are and like what you really are outside of kind of the last twenty four months. That's probably more accurate. And, and so, like when you take away all of of the advantages, um, sometimes that can be misleading for business owners that are specifically trying to grow towards an exit for a specific amount of money. So I think this can actually be really healthy for a lot of asset-like companies to help make the appropriate, appropriate adjustments because they have more visibility and they see where there's some exposure that might limit valuation down the road. Yeah. And you, you kind of gave a little bit of advice uh, if you're looking to sell your business. Um, what advice do you always give? Uh, you know, people in the market, you know, anyone you come across, if they're looking for an exit, 
kind of what do they need to do to get the house in order for that transaction? Because it's due diligence is not easy. It's not easy and it's, it's, uh, quite thorough. So, so what, what, what kind of processes, procedures, what, whatever it may be to just start thinking of how long in advance do you, do you really need to start preparing for it? Well, I mean, you know, I, I kind of speak out of both sides of my mouth on this. I mean, ultimately it's, you know, it, it, it's worth the most money when the right buyer wants to give you that money right now. Like, I think, that, <laughs> I think some of this is, I think people kind of make assumptions about like, Hey, Hey, thank you for the offer. I'm really appreciative, but I, I probably should do a little bit more homework when all reality is like, they don't care about any of that. They're trying to solve for a specific pain point. And so some of that stuff may not matter at all. Now you take that scenario out and then my general advice is like, you know, where, where, where do most companies lose or miss on opportunities? It's because like, they don't, they don't show, they don't present professionally in the first 30 days of evaluation or even the first like day. So I think that there, there's number one, like expect to be courted, expect to receive offers and have a plan for how you're going to respond to that. And so some people like they get overly concerned about confidentiality. Well, fine, let's make a one page summary investment highlights that's blind that shows what your capabilities are so that you don't have, you know, this mental distraction that people are that have confidential information they don't need to have. And most of the time you can satisfy a strategic buyer who understands this industry with a one pager of like, this is what it is. Here's the highlights and here's what it is. And if they want to go further, then you can sign a non-disclosure agreement and, you know, kind of go down that road. Um, but I, I think, you know, being able to have that prepared and then conditioning your staff to turn financials, you know, every month, you know, no later than 15 days after the month closes. I think people don't understand that. It's a huge issue. Because once we actually get to due diligence, like you said, time is the greatest killer of all deals. So like if things are changing in your business, what it's really doing, it's, it, it might be creating new risks. So like, well, this is creating some fuzzy math. We need to wait till that next, you know, how long is it going to get to get your latest financials? And like, well, we do it quarterly. Well, that's not good enough. Like that could be the one thing that you're not, that's going to allow you from, you know, not to be able to get something done. And you'd be surprised of how many pretty decent sized companies do not have that internal cadence in place. And to me, those are just like, just avoid, you know, uh, unforced errors. You do those things, be prepared, make sure you can turn those financials and have your reporting in place ready to go. And then a lot of good things can happen. And, and then lastly, which is probably the most important, especially with a, you know, an industry that has so many multi-generational or founder businesses, it's just, you gotta, you gotta condition your business to be independent of ownership. You have to, you know, systematically delegate responsibility down because what, what ends up happening is if you don't do that, you are voluntarily accepting a discount on your valuation because you're just injecting more risk in, in, into the transfer of ownership. Because if, if, if all the accounts, all the relationships, all the suppliers and all the things hinge on ownership, it's going to be very difficult to get a buyer comfortable with being able to maintain that level of performance once that owner's no longer there. Yeah, I mean, you, you put in a lot of value on yourself if you're if, if you retain that responsibility and those relationships and the viability of the the, the, the business going forward, and certainly the, the growth of the business under new ownership, right? Is if if you're still in control of everything, you know the the value is on your shoulders, and you still have to be there and run it to get that valuation you want that you want to, to exit. You can't really just just exit. Um, going going into twenty twenty three, 
Um, you talked about strategic buyers a while ago. Uh, give us a breakdown of strategic buyers in 2023. And also, you know, where you see private equity. Do you see private equity taking uh, a larger insurance or interest in in trucking and transportation logistics or uh, about the same? What, what do you think some of the, the key trends that you're looking out for in, in 2023 are? One of the things that we do internally just to kind of make sure that, you know, our assumptions are correct uh, internally is that, you know, we kind of study what, what, are we, what are we generating in terms of activity, both in terms of signed non-disclosure agreements and actual offers made by buyer type. And so over the last four years, the, 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 the stats have basically pointed towards about 85% of the offers that are generated for our clients are either, you know, strategic or private equity backed strategics. And so I think that's I think that's helpful color to understand like you know where are you going to get your money if you're a seller for instance like where's it going to come from well there's a high probability that it's going to come from someone who has some existing investment you know, some existing investment in this space doesn't mean that, that private equity folks are not going to get in there it's just that there's a much higher probability that they might be interested in the asset light portion versus the you know asset based business model I think just in general if they don't already understand this industry, that's a pretty hard sell. So I think that there's going to be continued interest just because there's so much, I don't know, sizzle right now in terms of the transportation logistics space. I think you're still going to, I think we're attracting more investment. That's a good thing. But between 22 and 21, we didn't see any deviation from that breakout in terms of when it gets to actually putting pen to paper and making offers, we're not seeing a significant uptick in new players actually stepping out in and getting into the game in a meaningful way um, beyond historical norms. But I think that that is evolving, but I think you're going to see it more so on the asset light, the freight tech side. I think that's where the main sizzle is, but it, it's, it's a hard sell to get somebody into, to understand CapEx in this space and to throw down some money and believe that in five years, they're going to be able to provide a competitive return to the funds that re they're responsible to. Um, you know, rather than in some other investment alternative, that's a little bit less risky. I agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, private equity groups are already in, in the space, certainly in the asset light, you know, using the, 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 the back portion of that to, uh, to, to roll up, to do additional acquisitions. Um, you know, but before we go here, um, any other trends for 2023, something that, that surprised you in 2022, kind of your, your highlight of the market and, um, that you might have? I think that what you're going to see, and I think this is kind of a carryover of 2020, 2021, and then, you know, and combine that with some of the volatility uh, around freight over the last six months. And I'm hearing this from multiple different places, experienced acquires um, looking to um, have their growth strategies evolve by getting, just adjusting the profile of the, of, of the target acquisitions that they're pursuing. And, and some of the characteristics of those are diversification, to get out of something that they're already doing, because I think there is sens high sensitivity by doubling down on the same things, but but not just for the sake of diversification. They want high insulation, high niche expertise. Uh, and then what's interesting is that the profiles for what they are, would be considering are getting much smaller. I mean, I, I had a, a conversation with a very large um, strategic acquirer who maybe two years ago, I would have never imagined having that conversation based on the size of the profile. I said, hey, I want you to know, I want Tenny Group to know this is this is kind of what is priority number one for us. And it was just a much smaller profile. And I think that that's what we're getting. It's like, hey, be much more thoughtful about 
you know, these, these specific um, targets that create profitability, that have insulation, that are niche expertise, that do have some um, propensity or um, opportunity for growth, but, you know, it's just different. And I think that is going to be a huge trend in 2023 because we're not going to stop doing deals. I think what's going to change is just the profile of the deals that actually get done. Do you think uh, large acquirers are, are more accepting of smaller acquisitions, much more targeted, much more driven to, to profitability than than maybe um, making a splash, or maybe not making a splash, but you know, uh, they don't have to be large acquisitions, more targeted, smaller acquisitions. No, I, I do. I do think that there will be. Obviously, there were some huge deals in the last eighteen months. You know, so and and so if the question is, do I think there's going to be some transactions that have those characteristics in 23 I do but but not as many I don't I don't I don't think that there will be as many I think that the that they're still going to I mean we, we mentioned like this vertical vertical integration I think that's probably where you're going to see it you're going to see something that is a huge splash it's going to have that type of synergistic upside um, much broader strategic play uh, probably global imp- implications um, so I think we'll see we'll see them but we'll see less of them and I think, but I see, I think you'll see exponentially more of the profile that I just mentioned. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Spencer, for for dropping by, joining us here at the North American Dem- or the, the Domestic Supply Chain Summit, and um, and look forward to, to seeing you more in 2023. All right, look forward to it, Kevin. Thanks for having. Me.